This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Double Tap for Monday, the 12th of December 2022. Coming up today, we're talking all about the value of Braille. And I have got a big announcement about some upcoming shows coming your way this festive period. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you? Ho, 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 happy festive period to you. Um, I'm very well, thank you, Stephen. How are you? I am, uh, you know what, I'm in the happy holiday spirit. I really am. And uh, we've got a big announcement coming up today. Big announcement time! I don't know what it is, so this is going to be exciting. I think this is... Jeff, you get no idea. You know why you don't have an idea? Because you never read an email I send you. That's absolutely true. That's because you sent me about a million emails, usually saying, cancelled, 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 cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. So it's your own fault. I have a thing about cancelling. I I set all these plans up, and then I cancel them. And then what I do is I call you and say, let's do it now. I know. I don't have to read any emails or messages. I just get a call saying, are you ready in two minutes? Yeah. Yes, okay, no problem. Great, isn't it? I like it. It's very spon- I, Yeah, It's like the A-team. We're just cool like that. Rebels exactly. without a clue. Uh, ex- uh, that is absolutely bang on the money. Um, <laughs> so let's, uh, you know, it's, because one of the things we've been doing is obviously I've been sending emails, you haven't been reading them. So yes. uh, one thing we did was we decided we'd try WhatsApp and see how that went. And uh, the cool thing about WhatsApp is, I don't know if you know this, there's now an NVDA add-on for WhatsApp. <gasps> I am, um, as we speak, going through the NVDA add-ons, and right. I haven't found it as of yet. Um, I'm just going through the headings on this page. So press the NVDA key and N to bring up your NVDA menu. Go to Tools and then press A for Add-on Manager. Oh, and then cool. tab until you hear Get Add-on. It will take you directly to your uh, the NVDA add-on page, and you just go through the headings until you find what you want. I don't know, that was a quick uh, how-to. Well done, me. Yeah, well done, well done you. That was actually uh, that was impressive. I, Thank you. Takes me back to the old days when we started this show, <laughs> when we actually did things. Yeah. I, I, to be fair, I did it like thirty seconds ago, so it's still fresh in my old old mind. Yes, but that's good. I, I didn't realise that was actually in there. I thought you had to go to a website, you could <laughs> download it. And... <laughs> it's all there, sir. I can't okay. find it yet, though. So, um, why? What does it do? Do we well, know? I think it's just it adds a lot of different shortcuts and things just to kind of help you move around the WhatsApp window a little bit easier. Although I, I can't say it's that hard to move around. It's just it's like everything on Windows. You know, you just shift tab, shift tab, shift tab, tab 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 tab, shift tab, shift tab. You know, that's all you ever seem to do. Up, in down, Windows. left, and right, space yes. or enter. As I told <laughs> much, you yeah. right from the very beginning, that's all you need. Yes, absolutely. There is a few slight. I can't get the links to work. In, uh, in the message list. So, you know, if someone sends a link, I, I can't get that to activate and I can't copy that message either. So, um, yeah, but you know what? It works well enough to send message and record audio. I love sending audio messages on it. And we've even had video calls on our computers using WhatsApp. It's cool, right? Yeah, the only thing I wanted to use it for was group chat and it doesn't see... A group chat, I think, works, but not group video calls or group no. audio calls yet. So that's the only thing I found because I was, I was kind of looking for a replacement for FaceTime, maybe even a replacement for Zoom. Because what I kind of like about WhatsApp, and some would argue that Slack does this and, and others do it as well. But, you know, Slack is is a great tool, but it's very much a business product. <laughs> We're not business people by any stretch of the imagination. It's ridiculous. And I don't like the name. I refuse to use that, that Slack that software. No, please stop. It's, it's Slack. gross. Slack. Anyway, okay. You wish something in your life was Slack. 
I don't know what that means. I'm going to leave it. Um, (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah. But listen, I hope you you had a good weekend. And uh, I I certainly did. I had a nice weekend. I I downloaded, uh, this is is the height of my weekend, was downloading Ponte's Media Downloader. Honestly, Mm. if you're looking for a way to get access to content from an online source, you want to just be able, you know, instead of having to go through the rigmarole of, you know, it might be some piece of video that you've got. Maybe I, I, I had this situation once where I had a video. I'd posted it on YouTube years ago on an account I don't even have anymore. I found someone actually surfaced the video and said, hey, this is still up there. It was actually a video of the dog. And the dog's just running around doing his thing. And I think it was actually, they'd stripped the audio out because I had like put a proper music track on it. And of course, oh. you're not allowed to do that, I guess, not anymore. Oh, certainly. No. So, you know, they had stripped the music away, but the video was still there. And I thought it'd be nice to have that. So I thought, how can I get that video? Um, so, uh, you know, YouTube downloaders, there's lots of different options, but I thought, well, what's accessible? There's not that many. Anyway, found this thing called Pontes, P-O-N-T-E-S, Media Downloader, and it's it's completely accessible, super simple. Application that runs on the Windows or on the Mac. Uh, I used it on the, on the Windows side, and it was great. Absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, if you're... Pons. Ponts, Ponties, Ponts. It announces Pon- it as Ponts Pon- on my. Jeez. I, um, okay. Um, uh, there's so many of these around, right? And there's so many websites where it just says throw in the link and you know you can download the resulting video, and it's just full of adverts. So I, I'm always a little bit wary of using yes. these. And we did have a little bit of an issue actually just downloading this thing, right? Well, this saying- is the the classic Windows, I guess Windows 11 now and Windows Defenders being so secure that it's kind of like, hang on, what is this thing? You know, it's, you feel like some, it's like when you're buying something, someone's like security checking you, you know, like, are you sure you're over 18? Are you sure you should be buying this? <laughs> but he kept telling us, he kept saying, right, do you want to, are you sure you want to download You need to make sure this is trusted. Tell us it's trusted. It's like, I can't find how to trust this thing. I'm tabbing all around, nothing. So just hit the application key on it, and the, the uh, application menu comes down, and there was keep. So we did that. That was Chrome, and that was that hurdle got past. Oh, and then you were Microsoft, on Chrome. I was trying it on Edge. Maybe that's well, the I problem. mean, it works out the same no matter what. Yes. Yeah, and then Edge came up. Uh, no, sorry, Microsoft Smart Scan came up and said, oh, you don't want to download <laughs> this. Oh, no, there's another one. So uh, then you had to tap to more options and keep anyway, and then it did it. Ah, wow. interesting. Right, oh. okay. And then I say it to you because you were still struggling. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and, and if course, try to send an exe file to anybody these days is almost impossible as well. So you know, it's, it's always a challenge. I think that's where a free Dropbox account is always useful. Dropbox. Always useful. I love Dropbox. Actually, just on that point, you mentioned the applications menu. That's how you get to the link. So you know, you were saying you get a link in a, a WhatsApp message and you can't activate it. What I did was I hit the applications key and copied. And it was able to. Oh right! Pe- I was just doing the Control right C copy yeah, keyboard shortcut. It, it didn't work didn't, either. Didn't work. So, but the Very only problem, good. the only problem there is, and this is what I, I wish people. Is, I you, you always know when you're communicating with a blind person because they will do the thing that we all love, which is yes, they'll send the the link on its own. I knew in a exactly message. what you were going to say. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll say right. say it's like a username and password. They'll send you the username because some, I've, I've done this sometimes. Someone will say, "Oh, can you log into this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Here's my lo- here's here's my details." And they put they give me the username on one line and then the password on another, or the information all on separate lines, yeah. because they know that's the easiest way for me to be able to navigate. If you send exactly. it all as separate messages, it is so much easier than just sending me a big diatribe. Correct. That's right. That's how you know 
that's how you know other blind people. It's our secret handshake. It's like the Freemasons. Exactly. And actually, you know, it's funny because <laughs> Marco Flalo, who who writes messages the way he thinks, which is oh. he has a thought, he puts yeah. it down, sends Thanks it, and starts again, an another one, and then we have another message, and we have eight hundred messages. And and what I get, my result of that is, I get Marcus typing, message received, Marcus typing. Yes, because <laughs> because it, it interrupts, right? So it exactly. doesn't read. So I'm like, oh, hang on. So now I've got to navigate through all this to, and of course, there's just more messages coming. In. I'm like, can you just have one thought? Just one, send in one thought. Oh, God, that's a taste of your own medicine, I've got I to know. say. You are exactly the same. I am a bit like this, yeah. I am. I am <sighs> bad for this. That's the problem with having that kind of mind. Um, but yes, listen, it is nearly Christmas time. Are you feeling festive yet? Um, No, I'm cold. Does that count? Well, it gets you closer to it, I think. I think at some point you start. I, I have got the solution to your problem today. I know you're not feeling particularly Christmassy. You don't sound it. You don't have that Christmassy sound in oh, your ho, voice. Ho. Yeah. Well, I've got the solution to this. I can fix yes. this for you. Okay. And it's courtesy of one of our amazing listeners who sends me so many emails every day. And I, okay. I cannot avoid this guy any longer. I don't want to avoid this guy any longer because he's brilliant. <laughs> that sounds slightly ominous, I'll be honest with you. He sends okay. us lots of emails and he oh, sends us, us emails. Well, he sends them to, to the show. Yes, good. And I think other shows, but, you know, who cares about that? Um, he sends them to us, and I think he loves us more. And you may remember this guy's name because he used to get in touch with us quite a lot when we were we did that whole stint when we were live. Remember we did the live show every oh, every yes. day or every week it was? And um, his name was Philip Bouchard from oh, Clare, New Brunswick in Canada. Right? Canada. Bouchard. Bouchard. Yes. And he gets in touch and he sends us messages and he sends us thoughts on the show. I haven't had many of his Any thoughts songs? on the show. But songs, yes. <laughs> I remember. Yes. I've got to say, this guy is hitting out of the park, as far as I'm concerned. Oh. So I thought, let's get into the Christmas spirit. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Christmas let's, me up. Let's get into the Christmas spirit with Philip Bouchard. Sing along at the back. Well done, Philip. 
absolutely brilliant. Stunning. Absolutely fantastic. As Philip Bouchard there, uh, he sent uh, a whole pile of songs to us, and, you know, I've been listening to all of them, and they're brilliant, but that one in particular I really enjoyed. He also sent me one called All of the World I've never heard in my life before. Um, as a song, I don't know if it's a new song or an old song, but it was wow. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, check him out. He's on YouTube. Oh, and, is uh, he? he sent, yeah, he's, uh, and now What's we've got channel? that YouTube um, thing. I can now you know why I needed Pontes, right? Now you're <laughs> now you're getting the, the uh, sense of how this clicks together, right? It all makes sense. Yes, perfect. So yeah, what's, what's his channel? Do we know? I actually don't know his channel. I just copied the link, but we'll we'll, oh. we'll post the link to it in our in our show notes for sure. Okay, and uh, we can um, we can we can give you some. Some listen, some views from um, from us, I guess, and, and from that our was listeners. Gorgeous, Philip. Very, like very nice. It was cool. That yeah, that was brilliant. Um, so yes, is it, has that made you more Christmassy? Has that made you feel more Christmassy today? Do you know what? Mm, yes, it has. Well, I'm thank God for it, that because that was a complete build up for nothing otherwise. Okay, yeah, I nearly spoiled it, but no, no, I am. You know what? Today it has snowed, so um, I've got a little go. bit of snow in the shed here. And it's beautiful. So, uh, as I often do when I'm unsure of of my territory, uh, when it comes to Canada, because you know, in Canada, there, there are often Saskatchewan. Different... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's one. There, there are often things. Um... Moose Lock Jaw. There's another one. That that's not a place. <laughs> Yellow Horse Knife. Well, this that's is this, one. What you're saying is kind of where I'm heading with this, right? Because I was I was having the issue of what do you call these things in Canada? We call them gritters. But what do they call them in Canada? Now, if you're wondering, oh. well, what the heck is a gritter? Uh, I can tell you, because I asked Mark Aflalo this. I got my official Canadian check-in on this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you call them salt trucks in Canada. I say this oh. as if you don't know, but that's what they are. We call them gritters, right? So they're just big you know, trucks that go out and spray salt. The dump grit. Yeah, all over the roads to make it less uh, slidey or whatever, you know, for the cars. Um, but I, I didn't know if you were aware of this. But in Scotland, here... Uh, we actually name our trucks. We actually give them all different names. And there's actually a map online where you can find out where the oh. the, the salt truck is. And they all have different names. Uh, so you have, for example, um, one's called You Only Grit Ice. I, I don't don't get it. Okay. That's a, what do you call it? Bond movie. Uh, Ice Keeper Willie. Okay, that is absolutely terrible. You only grit twice. That is such a tenuous... Boo, I'm going to write a letter to, to Glasgow Council immediately. Uh, Salt Disney. Oh, no, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, Queen, Mary Queen of Salt. No, that's terrible. Hansel and Grithall. All right, not bad. Uh, for your ice only. Right, who's the James Bond fan? Stop it. I don't know who it is, but it's uh, Spray Charles. Oh, Rachel. Oh, no, that's... Hang on, why yes. spray? Spray because of spraying salt. Oh, tenuous. But it's got a blind oh, there's aspect. tons of them. Clear Road Survival. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Creedence Clear Road Survival. <laughs> Get that one right. Um, that, that's really dark, that one. Road it's a bit, survival. yes. It's a bit. Uh, Spready Van Halen. Uh, okay, that's pretty good, actually. I like That's the best of the lot. Yeah, I mean, so that's giving you the sense of, of where we are in this country, you see? Um, that's it, very good. This is I how think... this is how we forget where we live. That's how this works. You see, we have we have humour, and that allows us to forget the fact we live in the UK. 
Uh, no, that's very. Uh, uh, the Manchester ones are also named similarly, but actual proper names of people with similar puns. Mm. I can't remember any of them at the minute, but uh, yes, I remember hearing it on the radio. So very good, though. Bit well, of fun. There's, there's a lot of those which you would never understand because they're very Scottish. Um, yes, that's right. So yes. I've picked out the ones that people might actually understand. But uh, yeah, I, I do find that quite good, actually. I kind of like the fact that we, you know, I wonder because we, we were interviewing. Um, it was Claire Sisk earlier in the year. In fact, it might be last month, I think we interviewed Claire. And she was talking about um, Rick the Stick. She names her cane. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. And there's Jeffrey the Jug. That's her talking scales. Um, and oh. there's, there's a whole range of different... She's named everything. And I quite like that. I think this is the way we, we should start naming things. Like Billy the Brailler. Um, um, uh, Ollie the Orcam. Oh no, that's good. Okay, uh, uh, it, uh, Eric and Vision. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of names. <laughs> Ernie and Vision, surely. Ivor the iPhone. Um, Ernie the Envision. Yes, that no, could that's work. That's it. Yeah. I'm, uh, no, I'm yeah, out. no, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Uh, sorry. No, that's it. That's a good segment, though. Email in feedback. Yeah. At Have you named your tech.com? Because my mum used to always name our cars. Whenever well, I say our cars, her cars. When she would buy a car, she would always name it. We'd always give it a name. And if you, it's like a, I remember we had a blue car, and it was called Hyacinth. Hyacinth blue car. Yeah. Okay, that's very UK specific. Hyacinth bouquet. No, of no, course. it wasn't. It wasn't named after that. It was just named after the fact that she was. What? The, well, I don't know. Is, is Hyacinth blue? Is that a, is that a color? I, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. But she called, maybe she just liked the name. I don't know. But that's my point. People name things. That's strange. You name certain things, not everything. Otherwise, it gets ridiculous. I met a dog called Bob yesterday. That's Bob. the first dog called Bob I've ever met. Bob. It just doesn't seem like a dog name, does it? Bob. Bob. Mind out of the way, Bob. He's coming through. You know, the typical, as I was blundering along the pavement, apparently, they had to jump into the hedge out of my way. Yes. But... I did notice his name was Bob. Well, cool. you know, I, I've I watch a TV show over here which has got a person in it, and they have a, an, a I think it's like a, a lizard thing or something. I don't know what it is, but they call it Jub Jub. Oh, what's that from? I know that Jub Jub. That's Futurama, isn't it? Is that is it? Oh, right. Maybe they named it from that. Okay, so right, okay. They, they named this thing uh, Jub Jub, and I said, but whatever dog we get next, you know, if we get another a guide dog, I want it called Jub Jub. Jub Jub. That sounds really familiar. Someone's going to be writing insane right now. Saying, yes, That's from Star Wars Fleet it Commander, you know, Star Trek 69. That's a terrible or... name for a dog. you got, you got to imagine you're shouting it in the park, right? Jub, jub. Jub, jub. Nah, I don't like that. No, no like that's that. bad. Jub, jub. I like that. Okay. What's your favourite dog name? Email feedback at doubletaponair.com. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've taken a bit of a, a jump there. Uh, shall we talk about our big announcement? <laughs> oh, yeah, please. Let me know. Put me out of my misery. So, here's what's happening. Now, look, I, I will say that in the lead-up to this, we've had a lot of people commenting because I suggested that, you know, something would be happening and uh, we've got a big announcement coming today. Uh, you know, hopefully it will delight you all. And uh, someone, I think you suggested first, let's do the show, or someone suggested let's do the show uh, three times a day. Yeah, please. It wasn't a suggestion. It was just a guess about what you were going to say, Yes. So I, I've renamed the show, in this case, Triple Tap. 
Oh, I like that. See, That's very three good. Times you see, three times. Ah, a, ah, but it's not the case. No, ah, no, the name is not that. Cool. That feels like one of those April Fools' jokes, doesn't it? No, that's we're not doing that. Uh, we're not triple. We are still double tap, uh, and we are still on once a day. Well, should uh, we be single tap? Single tap. No, it would just be okay. called tap then, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, good and point. Just, okay, feels like it's lacking. It does, yes. Like, like this episode so far. Uh, so, uh, Tim writes in, you're adding bookmarks to podcasts. Oh, that's cheeky. That's oh, cheeky. Yeah, I still need the... help with that. If anyone can help me I've out, no I'm idea. more you than happy. I don't, I'm not sure how to add that to my workflow. So if anyone can help, let me know. Yeah, exactly. Let him do it. That would be good. Um, Eden suggests that, um, she says, I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to replace Sean with the AI. Right, you're going to replace them with artificial intelligence. Oh, good call. I don't think that's fair because that would suggest that we're replacing him with something intelligent. That would be an, that would be like a like for like. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you yeah, know. yeah. We've already gone through the artificial stupidity pun, right? If so, that uh, came through, then yeah, you know, that'd I'm out be of fine. a job. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not inventing that, so it's fine. Ah, sorry. Carry on. That open AI chat, by the way, amazing. I know we talked Isn't about it just? amazing. I know I've, been, I've been spending all weekend and I got it to write a story for it. I, I had it write, write as a Christmas story. Um, I honestly think we should do this. So what happened is it's a it's a story where you and I, I, I feel that we're like the Bert and Ernie of uh, this show, <laughs> both a pair of Muppets. Um, we're doing the show, and, and the whole thing is that you you and I we start to get concerned that Lady A is taking over our lives and actually she's trying to control us. So we start to kind of move away from using her and then we learn that she's actually in love with us and oh. by that point it's too late because we've, we've unplugged her. Well, that's a really weird, scary story. And well, that's, that's exactly what I put into that chat thing and it, and it wrote a story about it. Incredible. We should play that at the end of the show as a, a special Easter egg at some point. Yeah. We should do. I, I will. I've I've got it. I've kept the the text from it. It's absolutely I mean, brilliant. That's yeah, even more scary. I know. Tell me about it. Uh, so uh, here, Connor says, "Are you doing double tap on Sundays? I hope that you are. I can help if you need any help. Are we doing the show on Sundays? Hmm. Wow, don't offer seven Connor. days I mean, a week. Come on, seven days. Well, it's up to you. You're on every uh, you know every day but Sunday, so you carry on. Well, listen, it's none of those things. Okay. Um, I can tell you, um, we are going to be here all through the festive period, all through Christmas, right through New Year. We're not going off. We were due to take a break. Excuse me. Yeah, this is what's happening. Oh, so, right. we, so here's Sorry, the thing, kids. right? I Christmas have it. Christmas is cancelled. Just, not, just not tell them year. to forget it. They, yeah. they, look, they don't care anyway. What age are they? Uh, they're twenty, mid twenties. I yeah. could not care less where no. you are. That's you true. Know, probably wouldn't even if, if if you were sitting there, they wouldn't know you were sitting there. <laughs> So, so the plan was that on Friday 23rd, that was going to be our last show of the year. And we would be back, I don't know when we'd be back, but I think Wednesday or the, maybe the Tuesday or Wednesday of the following, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, sort of yeah. 3rd, 4th of January type oh, thing. Sorry, Christmas. Who needs it? I had, to, I had a chat with Mr. F. Yeah. Um, and he said, God bless you, Mr. F. And he said, well, you might not be saying that. He said, you know what would be great? Like if we could look back at the year oh. and actually, you know, like review the year in tech. And I thought, do you know something? We've got so much stuff we can talk about. We've got so many stories we've picked up on over this year, and there has been so much this year. We could easily do a seven-day special on this. A seven-day special. I, sorry, I, I didn't quite. I thought I thought this glitched out then. Did you say seven days? <laughs> sorry? I beg your pardon. Seven 
days. Yeah, so we're going to be if on air from the 26th on the Monday. We're doing this drunk. That's it. Yes, 26th, we're going to be on air right through. Uh, we'll be on the six days of that week from the 26th through to the 31st and then back on on the 2nd to finish up our seven days, our seven days of 2022, the Accessible Tech News Review Special. Well, that sounds like an incredible idea, and I can only just say it again. Thank you, and God bless you, Mr. F. Please may I have a piece of coal for the fire. <laughs> You're going to be so... Listen, will I play, will I play Philip Bouchard again? Would that, would that help you right now? Well, should I have played that now? Do you think maybe this was the yes. moment to play it? Okay. No, it's going to be fine. It's, it's going to be, be great. As soon as I make my presents, Christmas is over for me. I don't exactly. care. Exactly. You're off it. Christmas Day, right? We're yeah. off Christmas Day. Christmas Day is the 25th. That worked out well. So that's off the Christmas. <laughs> well done. We're off it's almost like day. it was planned. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Day is the Sunday. We're off then. And then on the 26th, we get round the table and we talk about the year in tech. And wow, what a year it's been. I mean, really, it has been an incredible year. So we have so much to talk about from CES right at the beginning, right up to the big news that's coming out about even more new smart glasses emerging now, Ooh, just yeah. at the tail end of December, we're hearing about a new Canadian company called Celeste that is uh, inventing and come up, coming up with and just about to launch in the new year, a new product, which will be much more affordable and will give us a lot of the functionality in glasses that we've been looking for. Ooh. This sounds very interesting. So, you know, what a year it's been um, of the wearable, I think, in particular. So we're going to get into all that. You up for that, Sean? You up for it? Have I got any choice? Nope. Hey, I can't wait. I love it. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be the Christmas. best show ever. <laughs> uh, I actually can't. I have to tell you, I'm secretly very excited about this. I am no, so excited. I, I, I love doing this show. i got to say, I do absolutely yeah, so love I. it. So, yeah, I've got no problem with You'd that. You'd have to, really, wouldn't you? I mean, if you hated it, this would be the worst experience of your life. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, that was a stupid thing to say. Yes, I, I love it. Well, I mean, people might do shows and hate them. I don't think any of them work at AMI. I think everyone here seems to enjoy themselves. But, you know, for, for other places... A little I mean, too much, I must say. Yeah, we do. We, we enjoy this. Hello, Mr. Dave Brown. How are you, sir? Yeah, Kelly and Cole, <laughs> obviously. Obviously, all Kelly. the wonderful people here. Um, but listen, that yeah, that's coming up. So yeah, marking your diaries. We're not going anywhere. Right through New Year, right through Christmas, we'll be here. Uh, so you know, and I kind of like that because you know, one of the things I hate at this time of year is how everything changes. All the shows go away that you like. But and, you, what? Thank you. Everything changes, but you. Oh, I see. It, right. it's, it's, it's a song reference. Song. I, I thought it glitched and used to something totally different. Um, <laughs> but listen. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I got a mute. Thank you for thank you for uh, getting in touch <laughs> and sharing your thoughts. We're also looking for you to tell us what you think your you know what your gadget is of the year. So, what's your top gadget? Smart speaker. Yeah, well, I mean, what it is has it, been for the last ten years? I know you always say this, but honestly, you know, get in touch with your ideas. We got some really interesting tweets coming in on this. Send in your feedback. Send in your thoughts as well. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Love to hear your voice, though. So, you know, maybe record us a message. Maybe not yours, but other people's voices. Get them on, you know, share your thoughts. Uh, Call us on the voice uh, line as well. 1-877-803-4567. Make that right with you one day. Uh, So, yeah. Anyway, listen, stick around because we're going to be talking about Braille next. The value of Braille. I'm going to be joined by two very special guests. I'm going to be uh, talking with Stuart Lawler from Sight and Sound Technology in the UK. Uh, he's based in Ireland. And Matthew Horsepool, who works at the Braillists Foundation, you'll know Matthew, he's been on the show before. Uh, we're going to be talking about the value of Braille ahead of a big event they've got planned in January. Stick around next for more on that. 
Can't get enough Double Tap? Subscribe to the podcast and get your fill of Double Tap every day. Visit DoubleTapOnAir.com and follow us now. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. We're talking today about Braille on the show. Uh, you know, it's a conversation we have a lot around relevancy of Braille. And uh, that is something which is coming up in a major event at the start of the year in the UK. But uh, again, the joy of virtual events is it doesn't matter where you are in the world. We can all join in. Uh, the Braillists Foundation in the UK and Sight and Sound Technology are coming together in early January to uh, celebrate World Braille Day. And by doing that, discussing the relevancy, but also the value of Braille in education, in the workplace, and for leisure as well. Not just for people who learn Braille as a, as a, as a child or as a young student, but also for people later in life who want to learn Braille. The value of it, which I think is a great conversation to have. We're going to have some of that conversation right now. We're going to find out more about the event that's coming up. Uh, we have Matthew Horsepool from the Braillists Foundation. Stuart Lawler's also here with me from Sight and Sound Technology. Great to have you both here and back on the show together. Uh, I want to start off, Stuart, perhaps with you, if you don't mind. I mean, I imagine for you, you know, there's a, a continuing interest and growing interest, I guess, in the amount of technology that's out there to allow us to use Braille. Um, but also, I guess that leads into how relevant Braille still is, even in 2022. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you know something, Site Village London in November was absolutely manic. And the amount of interest in Braille, in Braille tech, and, and just people even coming with uh, some of their Braille tech that they'd had for a while to talk about that and how they could maximize use of it. But also, Stephen, I suggest um, speaking to your to your to your question, I only had a conversation yesterday with a lady who was talking about her two low vision uh, children who are now in their late teens, and she she wishes they had been taught Braille earlier on. Uh, because they're 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 struggling a little now, and it it's really made me think a bit about that whole journey about when we learn Braille or at what point uh, we learn Braille. So that the, all these things are in are in my head as we come together to plan this conference. Yeah, and and this is I guess an area for me. I have talked about this on my show quite a lot. That I feel that there needs to be a conversation around the value of Braille and how it is implemented. In, in so many different ways, right? And especially in education and, and who gets the access to Braille. You know, growing up as a kid, partially sighted kid, I didn't get that opportunity at mm. all. Uh, only by chance that I got the, the opportunity to learn grade one, only because the teacher was learning Braille and she wanted a guinea pig to try out her teaching on. And that's how I learned grade one. But otherwise, I wouldn't have had a chance because I was told, well, you know, you've got some vision, you don't need Braille. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think the, again, uh, and, and I suppose, listen, people, people talk about this a lot, the whole idea of Braille leading to, you know, potentially better career prospects, um, I guess, opening more avenues to you. And just, I don't know, the idea of being able to not have to rely on technology all the time to be able to walk away from the computer. I still like to read hard copy Braille. I still like Braille on paper, you know. Now, Matthew, that's an interesting point, of course, isn't it? Because, you know, it is important that children learn Braille, but it is also for the reason that it gives blind children a better chance in the workplace. And we, we shouldn't shy away from that. You know, I, I sometimes feel that when we talk about Braille, we kind of 
hold that back a little bit or feel a little bit nervous about saying it because it somehow suggests that if you don't have Braille in your life, you you can't have a good career. But let's be perfectly honest about it. You can and you will have more opportunity if you have Braille in your life. Yeah, totally. For all sorts of reasons as well. I mean, there's the argument that, you know, Braille is literacy and that Braille helps spelling and all of this sort of thing. And then there's the counter argument that, well, does Braille really help spelling because you've got contractions and all that. But, you know, it goes beyond that. It goes, you know, spatial awareness of what's happening on the page. This was always a big one for me. I did not understand why it was so important to put page numbers in my Word documents until I was given a Braille book that didn't have page numbers. And all of a sudden, I just went, you know what, this is just the most difficult thing in the world to navigate. And I had a whole new appreciation for that, you know, after that, for page numbers, for running headers, for running footers, for clear headings. You know, I started to understand how tables worked because I'd seen tables or felt tables in Braille. Um, and, And all of that really sort of led me to, you know, be able to produce documents that looked good i mean they still don't look brilliant you know i need to need to get a sighted person to check over the really complicated ones but yeah you know basic documents with headings and tables and lists and paragraphs you know i can do all of that and i can do that because i can visualize the the braille that was on the page and then and then of course you know we go towards making presentations and the ability to read your notes and present from them without having headphones in so that you can hear what's around you uh, I sing in the choir at Coventry Cathedral, which is just fantastic. And I do this through Braille. And I definitely wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for the fact that I had Braille words and Braille music. There are there are times when it is really important to be, and it's not always convenient, especially the whole point about, you know, being able to make a presentation, um, to be able to pick up your Braille and read. And I also find that I will or at least I tend um, to retain much more when I read as opposed to listen. So I guess it's uh, similar to sighted people saying that they, when they see something, they take it in quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when, when did you both learn Braille? Was it uh, from birth? From your well, not from not from birth. Obviously, <laughs> well, from near enough. Yeah. Yeah, 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 near enough. When I was in nursery, I started nursery at two and a half. I was an early starter at nursery, and I think. Certainly by the time I'd left nursery, the concept of Braille had been introduced, if not the the letters themselves. I think I might have known one or two letters when I left nursery, you know, but certainly the idea that you had a brailler and you could braille things on it. And I think I had a name label on my coat peg at nursery in braille. Um, and I don't think I could read it, but nobody else had a coat peg with, with the name on in braille. So I at least knew to look out for the braille. And so, yeah, it was introduced at a very early age. I don't know about you, Stuart. Yeah, I think my journey is, is something similar to yours. I went to uh, I went to a Montessori school uh, locally uh, near to where uh, to where my parents uh, were living and still live. And um, actually, the the teacher in that school took it upon herself to learn uh, the alphabet, which was hugely helpful because we did start, and I mean that was my foundation. And then I remember somebody from the the blind school uh, in Dublin coming down with a with a Perkins brailer, and this was just like this amazing device that you know never knew what a braille machine looked like, and it was very exciting. That's the thing, right? As kids, we are all sponges; we can pick up this stuff so much easier than you can later in life. You know, I mean, not that not that you can't learn braille later in life and we will talk about that but what i do want to ask you both you're both in different parts of the world to some degree you know matthew you're in the uk 
and Stuart, you're in Ireland. What is the case currently? What is the situation currently when it comes to children learning Braille in the UK, in Ireland? Is it still the case that, you know, partially sighted kids are losing out and, and blind children are, are getting Braille or has that changed? It depends on the funding, of course. It depends on local authorities and what local authorities are, are sort of capable of delivering. Um, some, certainly in the UK, some local authorities are more wealthy than others. Some put more emphasis on Braille than others. It's it's certainly true to say, if we start positively, um, it's true to say, if you are blind, if you are absolutely unequivocally, you know, absolutely blind, you, 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 just, you just can't, you know, deny that, then you will be taught Braille um, unless your parents kick up a stink and say you shouldn't learn Braille. But like, no, you know, the, the default position is still if you can't see, then you'll learn Braille. Um, partially sighted people. Yeah. And it, it's it's certainly less common in the UK. And, and it's got worse. You know, I, I remember when I was at school, if you were reading size 24 print, you know, you really ought to be starting to learn Braille. Now it's kind of if you're reading 36 or 48, you know, you, you should start reading Braille in some local authorities. So yeah, definitely partially sighted people get a, a raw deal, I think. And it's something similar over here in terms of partially sighted people anyway. People are, although there are some dual learners, I know of a couple of kids who are using, for example, Braille for um, their literary based subjects and using a large print for maths and geography. And that, that seems to work okay. Uh, funding here is not, um, is not regionally um, is not regionally managed. It's all centrally managed. So um, the visiting teacher service here in Ireland, uh, who are the equivalent of QTVIs, uh, they work around the country. Their challenge is that they just don't have enough time to spend with Braille learners. So there, we, uh, I suppose, if anything, we need more of them on the ground. Yeah, it doesn't sound that much has changed then. That's that's kind of no, depressing really. in a way. Um, especially, like you said, Matthew, you know, for, for kids who are the, the size 24 point, you know, from that point onwards, you know, I, I think there's an argument that they really should be learning. Because, you know, how do we know, and this was the case for me, how do you know that your eye condition won't change? And this is the fear, I think, that when I was growing up, it was a case of, well, the eye condition I have won't change. And that's that's essentially how they decided it. It was yeah. decided because, well, your, your eye condition won't change. Some doctor somewhere says, you know, it will never change. So therefore, there's no point you learning Braille. And I realize now how valuable Braille would have been in my life had I learned it at that young age. I mean, you know, what I will and the reason I can, I can say that with some level of confidence, because... As I had the chance to learn grade one by chance, when I went back to learning Braille later in life, at about 35, 36, it all came flooding back. It was all there. You know, I wasn't using it all those years, but I, I still remembered it. And it's grade two I'm having difficulty with because that's new, you know, and if I had all that in my mind, it would have been a lot easier, right? Yeah, definitely. And also just, I mean, you, you, you talked about eye conditions changing. It's not even about eye conditions changing. It's about, I mean, it is, but it's also about circumstances changing. I've, I've you know, I've come across partially sighted people who were discouraged from learning Braille, who have routine headaches. You know, they just cannot function because they're trying to use their eyes for everything. Yes. And they weren't just discouraged from learning Braille. They were discouraged from using screen readers. They were discouraged from using the white cane. You know, they could see well enough that they ought to act like a sighted person and function like a sighted person. The problem is eye strain, right? Yeah, yeah, fine. When you're six or seven, 
of course, there's not much print on the page, so you can cope with that. When you're 16 and 17 and reading textbooks, you've used your eyes so much to read your textbooks during the day that you then can't use your eyes to cross the road in the evening. And that's, you know, that that is worrying. You know, why on earth are we using, why are we putting so much pressure on these eyes to do things when the fingers and the ears and things that, that they can they can take on some of the load and also just one of the things that that always gets me is people who say braille is too hard or that would be braille would be very hard for that person or it's it's too much for that person and usually the people who say braille is too much are people who you know who who don't know braille themselves they may be teaching or they may be supporting a student but you know um, at least let let the person make that call although I will say that I think that children are not the best to make that decision sometimes. And I think parents can sometimes stand in the way. You know, I know as a kid, you know, any opportunity I had not to do something, I'd rather do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, and as you were mentioning earlier, but Matthew, you know, when it comes to parents, they can also get in the way of this because, you know, my parents didn't really want to see me as that, you know, as that blind kid. So, you know, Braille just makes it, suddenly you look blind. And I think that's, that's another area here, isn't it, that, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting when we talk about Braille and we, we sit down and we talk about Braille Day, you kind of think, well, we're going to discuss Braille and, and dots and the importance of dots and reading and all that. But actually, it's so much more than that. It's so much more social than that. It's so much more intrinsic to our identity and who we are. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I had a parent once I was working at Exel Grange School. Um, I had a parent who actually came in and saw me and said, why are you teaching my son braille and i said well because i think he's going to need it and um, and the parents basically turned around and said yeah yeah that's fine but um we just think that by teaching him braille we're switching off his eyes and i don't want to switch off his eyes and i said that basically going back to what i said in the previous question i said yeah okay let's let's take that i said we basically are switching off his eyes but we're switching off his eyes for a damn good reason you know <laughs> and um it just yeah parents parents get in the way children get in the way you know nobody wants to actually learn it but it's such a valuable skill once you have learned it so let's zoom forward a little bit and think about the workplace how valuable does braille become when you're in the workplace you know taking everything we've just said on board Stuart well I think those of us who have to attend lots of meetings or presentations you know I I find wearing wearing something in my ear and listening to my screen reader even if it's just in one ear I do feel somewhat disconnected from a room or from a conversation and actually even with online meetings now, and I guess we've all been doing more of those, I tend to turn off my screen reader's speech uh, and use Braille because I feel a bit more connected. So in that type of scenario, that's where I find Braille most useful, as well as going back to a point I made earlier, being able to just digest things a little quicker when I can read them in front of me. Matthew, where, where do you stand on that? Very similar to Stuart, to be honest. Just the ability to yeah, read things and and write things and not have to put headphones in is just so incredibly valuable in so many different ways in terms of, you know, um, reading the room. Uh, also in terms of looking engaged, you know, my eyes are closed. I've, I've got bilateral microphthalmia, you know, my eyes, they're so small that believe you me, you wouldn't want to see what was behind them if you, if you open them up. So like they, they're closed. I look like I'm asleep half the time. If I've got headphones in as well, so that, you know, I'm not just asleep, but I'm asleep with headphones in. I mean, how on earth that must look to people when I'm in a meeting, you know, 
versus being able to sit up and at least even if I'm not looking at them because my eyes are closed, at least I'm sat up straight and, you know, my head is turning to follow the conversation and I can I can function, you know, at least, you know, at least I can... I don't know. I can look engaged in other ways. I just think that is just so important. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. I always think of it from my point of view of how I feel being able to read something in silence, being able to, you know, maybe have a conversation with someone across a table whilst also being able to take information down and relay information. Uh, I never really thought of it that way from, from how other people perceive me in that environment. You're absolutely right. I remember learning a screen reader back in 2017, and I remember... I don't know if it's just one of those things, but when you start to learn a screen reader, you, you tend to, your head just lolls forward and you do, you end up because if you're falling asleep. And my boss said to me at the time, are you sleeping up there? And he shouted across the room and I'd never been so embarrassed in my life because I, I thought I'm not sitting up here sleeping. I'm trying desperately to understand what this damn thing is saying. And, you know, that that's the problem, right? That, you know, there's a perception that comes as a, a, a creation of what blind looks like, I think, out of all that, which creates, I think, all these misconceptions of, of who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I suppose, especially if your head is moving to, uh, nearer to your to your to your keyboards and you're you look. <laughs> You, you look as though you're slumped over. So, yeah, completely. Well, and it goes through all stages as well, doesn't it, right? Like if you're in a job interview, right, this is the first time an employer has ever met you. You're in the interview. You are taking notes in the interview because that's what you do as a studious person in an interview. And you, you've perhaps got questions that you want to ask them at the end and you've got them all written down. If you're sat there with a headphone in, you know, <laughs> listening to that on your phone or your computer or Whatever it happens, I mean, no, let's not even talk about listening to it on the phone. You know, you're sat in a job interview with your phone out looking like you're texting someone. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like that, no one is going to give you a job if that's what you look like. I mean, that, that we can argue about whether that is morally right or not, but it's the reality of the situation, surely. And this comes back to a point I bring up a lot around personal responsibility of ourselves. You know, the, the fact that we have to think about what is right for ourselves. And in a sense that whilst personal responsibility and taking that responsibility is important. You need to have the tools there in place. And of course, if Braille hasn't been an option for you as a child, and now you're an adult, that can be challenging. However, there is an upside here. And this is something which I think this year and and last year to some degree as well, you guys working together have, have actually been putting together some great things. I think at the Braillist Foundation, the work you guys have done to try and promote Braille as something for people who are older, who are not part of the bracket, who didn't learn Braille as a, as a child, who didn't grow up with it and didn't have access to it in the workplace, can still use and utilise Braille. Tell people what you've been doing at the Braillist Foundation to try and you know make Braille available to as many people as possible who are, who are older. Oh, for sure. So actually, we've, uh, we've got a really good package now of things that we're doing, um, starting with Braille for Beginners. Uh, this is a... a um, well, we say it's sort of an eight to twelve week course, but it can it can take as long as it wants to take, really. Um, Braillists.org slash beginners for more information about that. And you can um, you can sign up, you get pre-recorded lessons, you get hard copy resources, and then you also get access to a, you know a live tutor. You know, you can email the tutor back and forth. There are Zoom sessions once a month where you can get questions answered. Um, you know, so we, and, and we've, we've done really well out of that. We've got, you know, um, we, we across all of the Braille for Beginners courses that we've run, we've had sort of three or four hundred registrations. It's, you know, it really is very good. And most of those are 
uh, older people who, you know, resource centers for the blind have said to us, you know, oh, well, we don't want to do Braille because there's not enough demand for it. And we've absolutely demonstrated that there is definitely enough demand for it, you know. Um, and then moving on from that, of course, we run uh, the Braille Bar, which is our uh, is sort of more sort of advanced sort of Q&A about Braille. We run Braille master classes um, <clears throat> where we talk about, for example, um, Braille on a particular topic. So we might talk about Braille on the iPhone or Braille on Windows or uh, advanced JAWS features with Braille or uh, using Braille for presentations, you know, uh, the Braille code. So we've done one on grade three Braille, which doesn't officially exist anymore, but lots of people still use it. Um, using the abacus, you know, a whole host of things for, for beginners right the way up to very advanced Braille users. We did a session quite a while ago on Markdown and how to write Markdown in Braille. Um, so that even if you had a Braille device, like a, you know, a, a Braille display that didn't have Microsoft Word capabilities on it, but it did have text capabilities, you could still write formatted documents and that went down very well. And then we have our book club where people can practice their reading. Um, and that that is at all levels. We have a beginners group, an improvers group, an intermediate group and an advanced group uh, on that. Uh, book club there on a Thursday. So lots of stuff going on there. Braillists.org is the website to get more information on that. And I'll give you that again at the end of the interview. But I want to just touch on the tech side as well here, Stuart, from your perspective at Sight and Sound Technology, right? Because, you know, there was a time when the Braille equipment that you needed was very expensive, but that is changing. And there are a lot more options out there now from someone who wants to get into Braille at, you know, her age or someone who's, you know, coming, you know, into the workplace who needs access to technology. There's a lot of options available now, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the price is changing and it is. It's probably not changing as quickly as some people would like. And, and I think would kind of probably speak for everyone there. But yeah, there's lots of, I suppose there is more choice than there was. And our product of the year, of course, and somebody said it to me yesterday, they said, my product of the year is the Hable one. And it's probably, in some respects, in sight and sound, it's probably our product of the year as well. This tiny little Braille Bluetooth keyboard or Braille controller, if you want to call it that, that allows you to use your touchscreen phone. And indeed, I know a couple of the people who were on the Braille for Beginners course with the Braillists used it to to just learn Braille. So this is not something that has... Uh, it doesn't actually have any Braille on it, but you can type in Braille. And then you go up to that, to your uh, things like your Focus, for example, uh, Braille Displays, uh, QBraille um, from Hims, and of course the Braille Sense uh, 6, which there's been lots and lots of stuff, I think even on your podcast in the past, um, Stephen, about that. Uh, but also we have a lot of um, material on the Sight and Sound YouTube and podcast channels to allow people to get up to speed. And we did a, a, a number of, of training sessions. So those devices are being used across school and college and work, but also just for people to have at home and for somebody to be able to pick up a device and take it out with them and be able to communicate uh, is is very powerful. All right, so let's talk about why we're here today specifically. I mean, World Braille Day, of course, is the reason we're talking about the subject, but there's more going on. Stuart, what's, what's happening from your point of view? So uh, on World Braille Day, on the 4th of January, um, 4th of January even, uh, we are running um, a conference online to just celebrate Braille, I suppose. And the reason we decided to do this is I, I've been watching like and really i've been watching all the great work that the braillists have been doing since the start of lockdown uh with all this online stuff that's been going on and 
a lot of what we do outside of just product and selling product and training is trying to work with the community and uh, engage with the community. And our CEO is very is very passionate about doing that. So um, I, I kind of thought it would be really good to try to do something for World Braille for World Braille Day. I, sp- I spoke to Matthew and we sort of um, hatched a plan to collaborate and do something that will look at Braille throughout the life cycle. So right from the start, from your learning Braille in school to going through college and, you know, using Braille in the workplace and using Braille just in your own time in leisure, you know, being able to go in and pick up that um, menu when you go out for something to eat, you know, all these things are very powerful. And uh, we're coming together on the on the 4th of January uh, to talk about all that stuff. Certainly at the Braillists Foundation, we've been very good at talking to Braille users directly um, and obviously we've managed to make Braille users very passionate about Braille and they've, they've all become Braille advocates and the momentum about Braille has changed, you know, enormously in the past sort of two or three years. And we're very proud of that. But the overlap between Braille users and the professionals, you know, the QTVIs, the, um, the mobility officers, the, the DSA access to work needs assessors, you know, all of these people, um, the overlap is actually not that great. And so although we've managed to really sort of, you know, promote braille amongst braille users we haven't really managed to reach the professionals in the way that we would have liked to um so what we're really hoping to do it's a morning conference it runs from quarter past nine in the morning till lunchtime it's on zoom and we're really hoping that we'll be able to reach not just braille users but also qtvis you know, DSA needs assessors, all the people that I've talked about, disability officers at universities, um, maybe, you know, representatives from big employers, you know, maybe some of them will come along. And actually, what we're hoping to do is really sell Braille to them, so that they are then in a position to teach Braille and to support Braille and to, you know, to go back and advocate for Braille within their service or with with their colleagues or, you know, try and, and encourage the students that they work with or the, the, the blind people that they work with, try and encourage them to use Braille rather than discourage them, which is what we think is happening at the moment. We're also very lucky and we're really thrilled to have our keynote presenter on the day, who is uh, the broadcaster Peter White from the BBC. So, you know, and if you've ever if you've ever heard if you've ever heard Peter speak, you'll know he's passionate about Braille. He's a lifelong Braille user. I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Okay, so how do we register for this? So you can find all the information you need, uh, including the link uh, to register on the uh, sightandsound.co.uk website. It's under upcoming events. And uh, I think there's similar information, Matthew, on the brailists.org uh, website as well. Yes, definitely. We'll put it right on the homepage uh, in the in the latest news section. We'll put the link there. And it's, it's a Zoom registration form. Um, if you have any problems with that form, you can, of course, reach out to either the Brailists or to Sight and Sound. And the event is absolutely free of charge. So, you know, please do register and come along and, and hear what we've got to say. What a great way to start your year. Stuart Lawler. And Matthew Hospital, thank you for joining me. That's no problem. Thank Thanks, you. Stephen. And of course, you can get involved with the guys at any time. Sight and Sound UK do sell abroad. But if you do want to get your hands on that Hable One that uh, Stuart was talking about, and you know it certainly has become one of those gadgets of the year, I guess, for many people, uh, then you can find out more by getting in touch with the CNIB Smart Life Centre 
in Canada. That is uh, the best way for you to get your hands on that device. And of course, with the CNIB centres around the country, you'll be able to get hands on as well. Uh, That's it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. Keep your feedback coming on everything we're talking about, including our seven days of 2022. Is the Hable One your gadget of the year? Get in touch and tell us. We'd love to hear your voice as well. So do record us a message and send it. Attach it by email to feedback at doubletaponair.com or call our listener line on 1877-803-4567. Sean and I will be back tomorrow. Catch you then. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. The Walrus is Canada's conversation and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.